Lock on transporters. Beam us up. Scotty. If everything goes according to plan, come beam us up. Captain, beam me up. Energize. And welcome to Pot Me Up Scotty, a podcast where we rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I am Andrea. And I am Ashin. And today we're discussing. Well, today's the first time that we face this conundrum. Yeah. Where we're we're talking about two episodes, but one of them deserves to be its own episode. So what we're going to do is just really quickly talk about the first one, because obviously it's the second one. Obviously, or yeah. otherwise we would have done one episode. Uh, so we're going to talk about the first one and then move on very quickly. Or what wh- what we're going to try to do very quickly, because sometimes our very quickly is like 35 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> very quickly. Okay, so today we're going to be discussing episode 13, Dawn, and 14, Stigma. So let's begin with Dawn. When Tripp's shuttle pod is attacked, his aggressor are forced to land on a nearby moon. The coming dawn will make the planet inhospitable. Quickly, very quickly. Very quickly. Fine, solid episode. Move on. <laughs> what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I thought this was another box standard Star Trek episode about the crew meeting new alien races. I enjoyed the stuff with Trip and the alien but it really did drag yeah i don't know why star trek does this it takes these really shitty plot lines and devotes a whole episode to them and then it'll take a really good plot line spoilers and throw in a really weird comic storyline subplot with that and it's like no we could have had just one whole episode about the original plot line please Yep. I think this episode definitely needed uh, a comic weird subplot. That would have been fun. It's, I, I don't think... Like, it's fine. It's fine. I thought we were going to get more stuff between Enterprise and the crew up in space. Like, I thought there was going to be some... Oh, they're actually enemies on the planet, but they're working together up in space, or vice versa. But no, it doesn't even do that. Yeah, it's it's weird when you put these two episodes that we're going to talk about in comparison the seriousness that it gives the first one by dedicating it like just to that and the second one which spoilers i teared up oh because it's a, it's a topic that kind of affects me mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in some way and it is not treated not seriously because they take it very seriously but the amount of time that is dedicated to it is not like why is there a subplot on the second episode why is there spoilers why is there that subplot on the second episode yeah <laughs> why first of all why is, why is there one subplot and then why is it that subplot <laughs> yeah so it's just it's very tone deaf i would dare say because you can definitely share dawn's plot line with something else and i think it would have made it better because 100%. you wouldn't have thought that 
it's about time that they die. Like that sunrise was so long. And I was thinking sunrises differ from one planet or one moon to the next because of the orbit, the size of the planet, all of it. That was a very long sunrise. Yeah. They had a lot of time <laughs> to find some shade. Yeah. <laughs> like you could have left a message going hey Enterprise this is us we are not with the receiver because it's fucking a thousand degrees so we left to find shade but please locate us and save us and then they should have gone down and find a cave that is not cool because it's not gonna be cool but like cooler and hide there until nighttime again you're already don't have water and don't have food. Why are you in plain sunlight? Or, I mean, you're you're on top of a mountain or some sort of, of pinnacle. Walk around it to the other side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't even have to go down. <laughs> Just, yeah. why, why, oh God, why are you sitting funny. in directly in the sunlight? Yeah. But I did like the the way that Trip finds a way to communicate with the alien. By beating the crap out of them. Well, they beat the crap out of each other. But like a more primitive Tarzan-like way of communication. Me, Trip. You, Jane. <laughs> trip. Trip. Yeah. I think, no, like it's funny, haha, whatever. But that is literally how everything worked back then. We don't have a universal translator to help us with new languages. So all languages before now, I'm not sure that we know all of the languages that exist, but most of them, maybe not very secluded tribe in a forest, you know, but like most languages we understand now and we can translate. But the origin of translation is basically me, Tarzan, you, Jane. Yeah. That's how language works. You point at one thing and you're like, shit. And they say whatever word it is and I think that's beautiful it is also mentioned you'd be proud of me Hoshi I picked up about a dozen words in his language a couple of them are real tongue twisters so first of all it's not easy to translate then it's also not easy to translate when someone is beating the shit out of you and not trusting you and you're not trusting them so, overall, I like this episode, but I do agree that it would have been so much better if it wasn't so long. <laughs> yeah, it's not longer than any other episode. It just it just feels it, it because feels it's longer. one plot yeah. that they've dragged out. On the language thing as well, I was so disappointed by the conversation at the end when he actually meets the alien and they can understand yeah. each other. That was the saddest conversation. I would want to talk about it so much with them. I wouldn't be like, what, what What? were you trying to tell me when you did this? Or, you know, what What were you doing? You know, <laughs> it was, ah, oh, it was so frustrating. They just have this, I think they exchange like four or five lines and it's so. It's the worst. It's really It's bad. the worst conversation. Yeah. Especially, again, Star Trek Enterprise does this thing where they put the characters in a near death situation and then they don't bring it up. But I think that if you and I, me not knowing any English and you not knowing any Spanish, survived a near-death experience and then found a miracle way to communicate and understand each other perfectly, I think 
the first thing we'd say is, we fucking made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy you didn't kill me. I don't know. And he, I, I wouldn't be like the one like, word that you don't know in my language and the translator can't translate to signify water or whatever the fuck that liquid was. I would be like, oh, now that we made it, you promised me water, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I really thought Nocta was what he kept saying. I really thought that was actually going to yeah. become significant and that it didn't mean shit or whatever they thought it was, but it was going to be significant. But no, it just it did. I want to imagine that it means damn it. Because yeah. the first thing that he says is damn it. So I, I want to believe that that is damn it or like shit or something like that. But who knows? Because we don't have an answer because they didn't manage to... Like, I feel like that reunion could have been longer and the rest of it could have been shorter. Another option also would have been to drag the sunrise as long, but pan out to the ships finding them yeah. or arguing, distrusting each other. I would have thought that maybe Archer would have been like, how are we sure that they're looking? You know? Yeah, like I said, I really think they missed a trick because you could have had this emotional ending where Trip and the alien are actually working together, but Archer and his crew are actually working against each other and not trusting each other. And then they see Trip and them working together and it's like, oh no, we can do that too. But no. No, that's no. not how it worked. It was disappointing. Trip did reference that he got pregnant, though, again. I think this is the, the second time ever. I hated that they referenced so many things that we've never seen. Oh, I like when they do that. Yeah, but all the things that he listed that we've never seen are more interesting than the things that we have yeah, seen. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he should have been like, we got struck in ship traffic one time. Yeah. Like... Why is everything that you said that you've seen more interesting than the things that we've seen? Yeah. We haven't seen the peaks of the mountains and the valleys of the... No, we have... I want to see that. Show me that. We've seen trapped in a shuttle pod with Reed. Trapped in a basement with Reed. Trapped in a <laughs> catwalk with Reed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's where the shipping comes from. I really do think they should probably decommission Shuttlepod 1, or at least Trip should just stop yeah. using it. I don't think there's something wrong with I that. I mean, he it's says cursed. it. It's cursed. He says it. He's like, oh, the captain's gonna bring me down to steward. Which, yeah, have we? I think I've asked this before. Did we know there was a steward rank? Because we don't know anyone who's steward. I don't know. It makes sense that there are ranks that we don't know about, because why would we know about the steward? What is the steward? He's a steward, like a a waitress, like an air steward. Like, oh yeah, yeah, like okay, like a hair hostess. Yeah, like an attendant or something. I don't know. Yeah. So why would we know about them? I'm sure there are. It's like ensigns, the lowest of the ranks of a kitchen, I guess. Yeah. Um, if you were testing an autopilot system and you didn't know it was going to work or not, you'd think you'd bring a pilot. Just in case, as well. This would be a great episode to have Travis in. Imagine if they'd done Travis and not Trip. Again, here we are, <laughs> trying to make them understand <laughs> that you shouldn't put your most important officers in a death mission. Yeah. They don't get that. No. It's a shame. It is a shame. But, you know, it worked out in, in a way. But yeah, I do wish that 
reunion had been better. Um, I, I did enjoy the fight. I mean, I'm, I like action movies. Star Trek doesn't usually give us action. thought it was a good fight for a TV budget. And Star Trek. And Star Trek. Like you, you've 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 seen some original ep- uh, series episodes, right? Yes, yes, I have, and I'm looking. I forward feel to like watching it's a again. very yeah, it's a very on par episode. Episode. I have just a few more notes. Do you have anything you want to say before I? No. Okay, I'll make them quick. I'll make them quick. I did like Trip starting to recite "Mary Had a Little Lamb" on his recording. I thought that was <laughs> a very fun trick. I enjoyed that. Um, where Andrea? Andrea. Yes. Where does T'Pol get off calling another <laughs> alien race suspicious and deceitful? So what you're saying is that T'Pol is not right in this episode. Not in this instance. There is an instance later on when she's right. Oh, okay. What? I'm pretty sure she uses Celsius. Okay, I have a, I have a, a quarrel. I knew I you have would. A I knew you would. Because p- I knew you would, Andre. Because you've had this quarrel before. But go on. <laughs> have we? So she says. At night, it can drop to five or even ten degrees below zero. That doesn't sound so bad. During the day, the temperature can rise to as high as one hundred and seventy degrees. She says that five below zero or ten below zero in in Fahrenheit. How much? How much is that? It's minus 20 degrees Celsius. So when she said minus 5 to minus 10, I assumed that she meant Celsius. Oh, so she is actually talking about Fahrenheit. Yeah, because then she says during the day it gets to 150? 170. Okay, 170 is over boiling water. Yeah, it's over the boiling point in Celsius. Yeah, hundred and. 70 Fahrenheit is just 76. It's below. I mean, it's not just. Like, it's hot. It's still hot. But you would not survive 170 Celsius, and you would survive 170 Fahrenheit. So when she mentioned negative temperature, I was like, oh, it's Celsius. And then when she mentioned hot temperatures, I'm like, it's not possible. So hang on. What's minus 5 in Fahrenheit equivalent to in Celsius? Minus 20, you said? Yeah. Minus 5 Fahrenheit is minus 20 Celsius. And 170 Fahrenheit. And 170 Fahrenheit is 76 Celsius. No, that doesn't make sense. She must be talking in Celsius because when she says it's 5 or 10 below 0, Archer says that's not so bad. But minus 20 below 0 is really bad. I know. That's why I understood when she said the negative degrees. She said minus 10 and he was like, oh, that's... Yeah. It's going to be chilly, but like, it's not too bad. And then she said, yeah, and it's 170 during the day. That is over boiling water. Yeah, no, she must be talking about Celsius because that doesn't add up. That dialogue doesn't add up if she's talking about Fahrenheit because minus 20, I would never describe minus 20 is not so bad. Oh, that, that is, that is Russia. That is Russia in the dead, in the dead of yeah. winter. Yeah. That is, you don't invade Russia in the dead like, of winter. I know winter. America gets cold in winter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Canada gets to like 20 yeah. below zero, but you know, they're prepared for it. <laughs> okay, hang on. We're going to do, we're going to do some research here. We're going to do some research. Where's Archer from? New York. He's from New York. Average winter temperature upstate New York. 25 degrees Fahrenheit, which is minus four degrees Celsius. So she must be talking about 
Yeah, she has. She to, has to be talking then, Celsius. Okay. okay, so also Celsius. When is they're logical. rescuing, I mean the episode. Yeah, obviously that Fahrenheit doesn't make fucking sense. <laughs> but when they're talking, about, like at the end, minute thirty-five oh nine, they're talking about they can't transport him to the ship because the dehydration. Yeah. And Paul is, she's saying, I estimate it will reach 130 degrees within the next hour. So what temperature is it now that they're sweating profusely and it's going to get over boiling point of water? I cannot see that being feasible. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like how exponential is the, the, the temperature growth? But 130 Fahrenheit is 52, which is hot as balls. But it's, you know, survivable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Is it because people are dying in Europe at 40 degree heat now? But I mean, in heat waves. I've but... been at 50. And it's bad. Like, it's not good. It's not okay. a, they must a... be talking about Celsius then. But I, it doesn't make sense with Celsius. It doesn't make sense with either. Well, yeah. Because if, it, if it's Celsius and it's about to reach 130, they should already be dead. Right. Unless, it's like you say, it's an exponential growth. Yeah, but it how exponential is the growth? I hate in these two episodes, there's so much mambo-jumbo. And, and they're making it up, right? It doesn't make sense because we personally don't have those ships to make it mean anything. Oh, if they flush the manifolds to detect the ionized, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You're making it I I write fan fiction. And I make shit up like this. Like, oh, if you just take if you just take the air containment energy and transfer it, like you're just making it up. But because this is a show that is canon, it hurts so much to have that kind of information. Like, just make it make sense, please. Because if you're thinking Fahrenheit, you're like, you would not survive the night, but you may survive the day. And if you're talking Celsius, you may survive the night, but you're not going to survive the day. And then you watch the episode and they're about to not survive either. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> one because they attack each other and the other one because they're fucking dead. I mean, they definitely wouldn't survive the night in the clothes they're wearing. If it drops to well, one minus 20. you can go 20, inside the ship. Yeah, but the ship's not working, so they can't even turn Babes, it on. The ship yeah. can withstand the vacuum of space. You can just close it for a few hours and survive and then come out during the day. Yeah, but the, your ship in space is working and has heating. Yeah, but it's just a few hours. You could survive it. Maybe. I think you could survive minus 20 on Earth on a closed ship. You just bundle up and hope that it passes. Yeah, but you, you definitely couldn't survive it outside in just that little jumpsuit and a vest. No. no. <laughs> So they must be talking Celsius. They must be. It doesn't make sense, but it makes the most sense of the two options. Yeah, it's scientific, and they do talk about kilometers. They talk about like metric system units. But it's it's frustrating because they've definitely used Fahrenheit before. Yeah, like if you're just making us understand your fucking units, that's fair. But don't be changing them, please. Just settle on one. But again. If there was a Starfleet in real life, they would use Celsius because <laughs> that's the one that most of the planet uses. Yeah, they'd have to. But yeah, just back to my original point that I think it's rich to Paul calling another species suspicious and deceitful. 
because it was only a few episodes we were talking about how the Vulcans literally planted 900 spies? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In an alien planet? (laughs) Like, gave them plastic surgery so that they blended in? (laughs) Funny. But not funny, haha. Funny, weird. Yeah. Do you have any more points? No. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. On to episode 14, Stigma. The Enterprise makes its way to a planet hosting the Interspecies Medical Exchanges Convention. That is the shittiest description they could have come up for this episode. But at the same time, trigger warning. (laughs) Trigger warning. Content warning. I don't even know where to begin with this trigger warning. I'm just going to say, at the top of my head, trigger warning for minority oppression. I would say sexuality oppression. Yeah. AIDS. Rape. And overall, I think it's a very important episode to discuss, but at the same time, it's not going to be nice. So beware. If you just if you have to stop, that's fine. I would stop if I didn't have to record this episode. <laughs> this is a harsh one, so... Okay, so, do you want to begin? Uh, no, I think I'll let you begin, because I think we should discuss the two plots separately, and I don't know which one you want to start off with and get out of the way. Do you want to end on the lighter one? or? Yeah, do you want to end on a more positive note? It's up to you. Let's do let's do the, the silly, goofy one first. Oh, okay. First of all, two trip episodes... Kind of trip episode. The second one is not a trip episode, but it could be with yeah. how much she is featured in it. Two trip episodes in a row. We are being fed, Trip Nation. Yeah. We are being fed. I just wish this episode didn't have trip at all. And that is coming from me. Didn't need that didn't need that plotline. Um and that plotline massively clashes with the other plotline. Yeah. That said, do you think not an enterprise? Do you think in all of Star Trek that we have yet to watch, are we going to get a hornier moment? Then... It's very simple. Insert the thick end into this opening. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think that it has to be that. That has to be it. First of all, everybody here knows how much we love to talk about holes and size of holes. Yep. <laughs> and what do you what do you do to holes? We love to talk about that. This was meant for us, I think. Oh yeah. I feel like. Yeah. And I don't think that there will be a hornier moment than any with her. like this this whole episode would have been so funny if it wasn't in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think the sexual chemistry between Trip and Flux's second wife, Vizel. It's beautiful. It's so funny. They have great chemistry as actors and trips like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here no more. But it's just not the right episode to have that in. It's literally and objectively not the right episode to be to be discussing about it. I really, I don't know what they were thinking. In what world do you write this episode about to Paul, analogy-wise, basically having 
uh, fatal STI from rape, and you decide to pair that with a plot where one of your other characters is basically getting sexually harassed in a comedic yeah. sense. What are you doing? Yep. Like what? It's, what? It's, I and I I don't even I can I cannot blame the the time period because obviously they're treating to Paul's problem like the problem that it is, right? Yeah, they do it justice. I think they handle it well. I think they could have handled it better had they given it more time. Yeah. But I just... Like, yeah, because they did handle it well. It just... Yeah, it just clashes massively. I feel like the intention of T'Pol's plotline is so clear. The message is transparent. There is no way you watched this episode and didn't get the AIDS. It's just AIDS. It's not an STI, it's just HIV and AIDS uh, metaphor or, like, simile. There's no way you watch this episode and you're like, oh, I guess what they're talking... I don't know what they're talking about. I guess what I... What is... What? No, there's no way. This is transparent. This is crystal clear, the same way that the original episode was crystal clear that it was a rape, which we discussed. So, having that seriousness, which I think is what makes Star Trek Star Trek talking about serious topics in the context of a show. Having that, as you said, paired with such a silly, goofy tone, why are you doing that at all? You're taking away time from something that is important to mention. You're dealing with a very important topic. And you know how important it is because the episode's tone says it. So why? Why is it that every two scenes I get tripping uncomfortable by the idea of this woman flirting with him so openly and him being like, but you're married. And she's like, I don't care. And the Flux is like, I don't care. Did he ask for that flirting? Is he flirting back? No. And it's even weirder when you consider the fact that Flux is in both storylines. Right. And in one storyline, he's caring doctor, respecting patient doctor confidentiality he's aware she was coerced and she has sympathy for her. and yet at the end of this episode he literally shares a laugh with his wife at trip's expense at how uncomfortable he is at her advances yeah it's just so fucking weird and again it boils down to the point that he is a man and i hate that i have to defend a man i hate it but it comes to the point where you, you narrow it down and it is because he's a man. So yeah. it's not seen as sexual harassment. It's not seen as a negative thing. It's seen as, oh, it's funny. Because he could literally be fucking this woman while this other woman that he cares about because they're crewmates, if nothing more, is going through the worst time of her life. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's so funny that he doesn't want to fuck her. Because he respects his own customs. Like, I understand the Nobulans have their own marriage things and relationships are different for them. But where is the respect for his preferences? He doesn't want to fuck her because she's married. And that doesn't do it for him. Also, it would be so awkward to fuck your doctor's wife. Yeah. Like, it's not that she's married to someone that he doesn't know. She's married to his... How 
there's a disconnect. And they treat it in a silly goofy way. And at face value, it's silly goofy. Haha, <laughs> Trip again, getting involved because he's the most attractive crewman. Because Hoshi is right there. Not in this episode, but she's right there. But he's one of the attractive, physically attractive men, right? So obviously all these plots are going to go to him. There's a time and a place. And this was not the time nor the place. The time and the place was, if you're going to do this crazy, goofy subplot to balance out a more serious one, the time and the place was the last episode. Yeah. Find some way that it's not Trip, but it's like maybe Travis. Mayweather is down. Yeah. Or or yeah, or either Trip or Mayweather. But even there, we would have been like, but he, he's almost dying. Like, there are two funny haha stories. There are two. Yeah. I think maybe a, a good episode to have it would have been a funny haha that wasn't too funny haha. Or like two people are flirting with him at the same time. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, that would have been funny. Yeah. But this is funny again at face value, but not anymore. Just not if you go any deeper than that. Yeah, it's weird. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, it's just tone deaf. I'm not gonna lie and say I didn't have a little giggle at some of the moments, like insert the thick end into this opening, and you can pull it out now. And I'm good at following instruction. You know, all those little innuendos. I wasn't pulling your leg. Yeah, I, you know, I like innuendos. Like, yeah. But this is, as you say, it's not the time of the place. Two things can be true at the same time. The plot was good. I'm not saying disregard it forever. I'm saying I'm sure they could have used it in another time. Again, I had fun. At face value, it's fun. It's funny. It's just the contrast when you're hit with that. Hoshi, him, and her are in the canteen eating. And then the next scene is fucking Vulcans being like, oh, you are a member of a minority that practices things that we don't like. So you can die. It's fucked up. So moving on to the darkest episode so far on this show, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is up there. Yeah. It may be a personal thing, again, but... I think it's tied with the episode it relates to. Yeah. Fusion. So, I mean, obviously that episode was dark, but I mean this episode is darker, I think, because it's also... You talk about what is going on. Like, it's openly discussed. It impacts more people as well not to minimize what to right. fall went through in fusion but this is about as you say in your trigger warning the oppression and prejudice against the minority yeah okay so for anybody that skipped that episode or doesn't remember like archer like arch yeah <laughs> like archer. what the fuck dude oh yeah i remember you were attacked oh silly me <laughs> silly me uh, so yeah, they meet these Vulcans that she doesn't have any interesting meeting, but Archer kind of forces her to meet them because, oh, they're Vulcans, so you have to get along. And these Vulcans are a group of Vulcans that are born with the ability to mind meld, which is a practice that some of them are born with in which they meld minds. And we learn in this episode that this practice can infect people with a, an illness, a disease of the mind that degrades neuropathways and the immune system and the endocrine system. Yep. Until you die, basically. Like, there's no cure known to the Vulcans right now. 
And the reason why there is no cure is because they don't want to find it. Because they think that the people that mind meld are shameful and they don't like them. So basically it's a population control method to just let people that can do this thing die from this thing. And they don't consider cases like Topol's where she is not a person that a Vulcan that can mind meld. But she was mind melded with and contracted the disease. And they just judge everybody that practices this with the same brush. It is literally an AIDS mirror to what happened in the later decades of the of the last century, where people were thinking that just gay men could contract AIDS and they didn't care for it. And they just let thousands if not millions, I don't know how many people die from AIDS, but like thousands and thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands for sure, of people died in the AIDS epidemic. It was considered to be a gay disease and people didn't care if they died because they didn't like gays. <laughs> so they might as well take themselves out, right? Uh, so it didn't matter if you were gay or if you were born with it or caught it because they didn't care to research where AIDS came from. So they didn't care to know that it could be passed on through blood and semen, but you could just get it from blood. And these topics, personally to me, I'm not HIV positive, I'm not, I don't have AIDS that I know of. It wouldn't be a problem if I did. There's medication for it, and it's not shameful. Like this episode tries to tell the, the, the doctors, it's not a bad thing, it's just she has it. And she's going to die with it if there's no research. And there's no research because it, they don't care about it. And that is the painful truth that it, it was like that. There was no research about the virus, the HIV virus, because they didn't care for it. And it's such a sad thing. Like, I, as I said, I teared up because you sit down, you think how many people have died from this thing that now if you have the right medication, you don't have to die. It goes to a percentage so low in your blood that you can have a normal relationship and normal sex, obviously with care and attention. And you always talk to the physician, but like the virus goes so low that it's undetectable and you can live a normal, healthy life, long life, happy life. And it's only because people died for it and made people care that we got here. And it's so sad to see, quote unquote, an advanced civilization as Archer said, Pranar syndrome is a disease that's unique to an undesirable segment of our population. Thankfully, there are very few of them. And because you find them undesirable, they're not entitled to medical care. And it's also very sad because it's happening again. Like trans people in America cannot get health care. It's very hard for trans people to get health care in many countries because people are being bigoted and they just want to get rid of those rights that they fought very hard for. And it's just painful. It's just a very painful episode. It touched a nerve on me. And I talked for too long now, but it's just one of the most important episodes of Star Trek that I've seen. And I'm glad that it's here. And I'm glad that it's painful because this conversation is painful. Amen. Yeah, I, I second all of that. And I, I can't really add anything to that. I think you said that excellently. Thank you. The only thing I would add with that, 
I actually didn't think of AIDS when I was watching this episode. The analogy I thought of was abortion rights in terms of, again, people who are denied medical health there that could save lives, you know, and there's obviously that's being denied in America as well in cases of rape, which they mention here, where if a woman is pregnant, they're not allowed access to that, that health care. But yeah, aside from that, I can't really add anything to what you said. And I think you said it beautifully. And it's a very important episode. And I wish, I really wish they'd spent more time on it. And I wish they'd spent more time with Paul because it deals with the philosophical issues and ramifications and the kind of overall questions. But this is the first time that we've learnt or that Archer learnt that T'Pol has this condition and at no point, as far as I can recall, does anybody ask her how she is or is she okay? Nope. And we don't get any insight into how she's dealing with this or how it's affecting her on a personal level. I don't know anything about this syndrome. We said they vaguely describe what it does, but I'm not a doctor, so I don't know how that's going to take effect. I don't know what T'Pol is going through, and I would have liked a lot more of that. Yeah. No one asked her. They didn't ask her how she is. Also, Jolene, beautiful work, actress. Amazing. We say this a lot, but like, this episode must have been so hard for her to do, because at the end of the day, she's a Vulcan. She's not out there crying or screaming. Beautiful, beautiful work. But yeah, no one asked her. And then they publicly told everybody that she had this condition because of a rape. And they forced her to come out and say that it's a rape. Like, I understand why you, you would think that it's an abortion analogy. But for me, it's so crystal clear. Because she's like... I use that as a defense, as a way to keep from being taken off Enterprise. I'd be condoning their prejudice. And in the process, indicting every member of the minority. Because that works with their prejudice. And is that not what they're saying about drag queens? Is that not what they're saying about trans people? Oh, they just want to get with the kids. They just want to rape you. They want to assault you. And it's like, so when that happens, if I get assaulted by a gay person or a trans or whatever, and a queer person, and I say a queer person attacked me, all right-wing bigots are going to be like, see, see? This queer person attacked them, and now they have a STD, and now they have a pregnancy, and now they have this thing. And it's like, how many straight men <laughs> attack, <laughs> attack people and get them pregnant and give them STDs, STIs, and no one is like, oh, but men are the problem. No, because that doesn't work in favor of their ideology. So... Her refusal to be like, no, I don't want to say it because I don't want them to think that these people do this. Because it's not these people that do this. It's this person that did this. And this person also had the ability to mind meld. It's what, for me, makes it clear that it's about AIDS and queer people and gay people. And rape is rape. It's never good, no matter who does it. But when a minority person does it, again, same with race. If, if I say, oh, a black person raped me. All races are going to be like, see, I told you, black people suck. Black people are bad. Black people steal and rape our women. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> black people don't do that. This man or this person did it. 
and they happen to be black, but it doesn't have to do with the whole thing. It's just, I'm so angry. <laughs> this episode is just like hitting me right in the heart because I understand what she's going through. Like, what do you say to that? Oh, just tell them that you were raped. Then you wouldn't be fired. What does it, I shouldn't be fired at all. <laughs> rape or not rape. Just because you don't like my lifestyle, I should not be fired. I should not lose everything. This doctor that is going to lose his job should not lose his job because of who he is, who he was born as. He was born gay. He was born a mind meld. It doesn't matter. That doesn't make him bad or worse or less. And it's just, I, you should tell me to stop talking because I can, I can keep going. No, it's, it's fine because I think, I mean, you've, You've got more to say on this than I do. Uh, I agree with everything you've said, and you're saying it well. And yeah, it's, it's it's shit. And the thing that annoyed me, and this is kind of trivial, but the fact that this is coming from the Vulcans, who are meant to be this logical race, who suppress their emotions, and Archer has this speech at the end. You humans are too volatile, too rational, too narrow-minded. That's what I heard for years from every Vulcan I met. But we don't hold a candle to you when it comes to narrow-minded. We got rid of bigotry nearly a century ago. We're not afraid of diversity. We don't persecute it, we embrace it. If you call yourselves enlightened, you have to accept people who are different than you are. And at no point does he make the point that you guys are meant to be suppressing your emotions. Prejudice is based purely on emotion like there's no rationale to it there's no logic to it it's purely based on the emotion that this thing is different and therefore i don't like it and i don't trust it and they don't behave like i do or they don't think like me or do the same thing that i do and that annoyed me but no i completely agree and the more i think about it the more the aids comparison makes complete sense and like i'm sure they that they mean so many other, like you, oh you no of course and you can, that's that's the beauty of star trek is that everyone can find their own meaning in these episodes that's why right you know they're not clear and yeah it just it's so annoying and it's so infuriating because we know this is going on in the world now you know and it is it's the minorities it's the immigrants and the trans people and that same level of prejudice is never directed at the Oppressor. people in charge, the presser. Yeah. Yeah. So when I say I don't like men, I'm like, why do you, you're, you're a feminazi. You're crazy. Why don't you like men? Why don't you like trans people? Because one person one time did one thing. Okay. Men do it every time, every day, all the time. Listen, prejudice is prejudice. My prejudice is not better than yours because I'm prejudiced against an oppressor, but prejudice against an oppression is protecting yourself. And that is that. So, like, am I prejudiced? Yeah. Is that bad? Yeah. Does my prejudice save me? Save me? Yes. What does your pre prejudice against queer people save you from? Nothing. Queer people don't want nothing with you. We don't want to touch you. <laughs> so we just, it's just, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just, yeah. I'm going to eat chocolate. <laughs> um, I think, I think as well, just to kind of 
speaking of men. I think another thing that really annoyed me about it. Speaking of men. No, but seriously, like, I mean, this really annoyed me. Why is Archer pissed at them? Like, Archer finds out about this. He brings Phlox into Paul to his chamber because he's heard about this from the Vulcans. And he's pissed at them. He's not, you know, he, I mean, he is eventually concerned, but that will, that should be your first port of call. You've heard from these Vulcans that your science officer potentially has a fatal disease and you're pissed that you had to hear it from them. Yep. I really admire that Flux's reaction is like, I think you and your species have the doctor-patient's confidentiality. So if T'Pol doesn't want to share it, then Flux doesn't share it. Yeah. Imagine... <laughs> Imagine if you found out that I have an STD, STI illness that I'm going to die from. And you were mad at me because I didn't tell you. Well, it's my thing to tell. Yeah. And look, I'm not going to lie. I would be mad that you didn't tell me. But primary concern would be, shit. Are you okay? Are you okay? Like, what? Right. And once I tell you, yeah, it's under control. Then you can be like, and I, you didn't tell me. Also, we have a different relationship than Archer and Paul have. Because I don't think that they're besties. As much as the show wants us to think they are. <laughs> yeah. No, but I don't think they tell each other everything. I t- I've told you everything. Yeah. Everything that happens in my life. You're one of the, if not the first person that, that gets to know, the second or third. Like, you're always there for me to tell you. So if I didn't tell you a big thing, like, oh, I'm about to die, I understand that you would be pissed. I would be pissed too if you were about to die and you didn't tell me. But at the same time, my first reaction would be like, shit. What's going on? What are the next 3,000 steps in this illness to make you not die? Yeah. And and again, I know we kind of joked about it earlier, but genuinely, I, I don't understand why they made the choice to have him not remember what happened to her. I don't know. Like, it's such a weird decision. I don't know if it's a case that maybe this will be a way for us to remind the audience what happened, because... They can't binge. This was back in the 2000s. So we're talking like maybe this was a year ago. Do a previously on. I presume they had previously's back then. Yeah. And also you are telling a whole new group of people what happened. I'm pretty sure you can find a new way to, to, yeah. to let us know. Like on one level, you're trying to say that Archer is her captain and he cares about her. But at the same time, he's completely forgotten about this really traumatic thing that happened to her. That he was a key part in kind of resolving or getting justice for in a way and that goes back to what we always say that the near-death experiences and the next episode nothing happened this is the same thing yeah it wasn't a near-death experience but it was a very traumatic one very invasive very rapey like she was literally raped and this is a big thing that happened on the ship to her and they never bring it up which is fine but now that they brought it up they don't remember what (laughs) It's so strange. It's a very weird choice, yes. How do you feel then? Because the ending of this is very... It's an ending where it's like, for me, as a straight white man, it was an ending where it's like, I don't know who's right or wrong. Like, obviously, it shouldn't make a difference that she was coerced. But it's weird where they do have the guy come out and tell everyone. Yeah, so as I said, it shouldn't matter... Like, your life shouldn't matter. If you're prepared for the job, you're prepared for the job, right? What you do in the privacy of your own home or what you go through, it should matter. 
Like, imagine if I was fired because I was assaulted in the bus. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? Would have been a crazy thought. Same thing here. Now, I'm glad that they let her stay, but as she points out... Can you verify this? Why? So you can perpetuate your double standard? Condemn the infected when they meld by choice and sympathize with them when they don't? And I'm glad that it is said out loud that she's going to fight for him. Because at the end of the day, the only thing that we have as queer people and oppressed people is each other and the community that we build. So I'm glad that she said it out loud. It wasn't an implied thing. Like she said, I'm going to contact <laughs> High Command and I'm going to be like, what the fuck? I don't remember what happens. I can't remember if we ever talk about him again. I doubt we will. I'd like to think that we will, but I doubt it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But at least she's got his back. I would be surprised if we ever hear about this illness again, because the episode ends with Fox getting this research and saying, I can definitely work on this. And so up until now, we haven't heard about it. There's been no signs that she's been suffering or going any symptoms. I'd be very surprised if this is ever mentioned again. I hope it is, because it's a very important thing for the character (laughs) that affects your character. If they have a fatal disease, that's probably something that's going to have an impact on them. I'm not going to comment. Anything else you want to add? Vulcans are bastards. Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they are. They cast the bastards well. They were very good at being bastards. Yeah, they were. And again, standing ovation to Yolene. Genuinely. Amazing performance. We said it on the original Fusion episode that she did a great job. We've said it multiple times because they relate to each other. We said it back then and we're saying it now. Great, great job, Jolene. Yeah. Like, I cannot imagine playing a Vulcan is an easy role because basically an actor's job is to show what emotion and what everything is going on. It takes the emotion out of it. So difficult. So difficult. So... Was the poll right? Yes, she was. A thousand percent. She's always right. Except when she uses Fahrenheit. (laughs) (laughs) Or, yeah, accuses other races of being deceitful and suspicious. Yeah. Um, Should we do the awards? Can I actually, I just, one more thing I just want to say about the silly, goofy plotline. Like, you could have done a serious episode about that plotline as well. Yeah. Because. That's a plotline about different cultures and different attitude towards sex and love clashing. And that could have been a good, serious episode. And if, I bet, if it had been flocks with a woman, it would have been different. It would have been so different. It would have had very different connotations. Or if Trip was flirting with the wife and the wife was not having it. Well, yeah, I mean, can you imagine if they'd done this early on in the first season when Fox didn't know the characters and Fox was acting this way towards someone like Hoshi. Like, ugh, gross. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Even with Cutler, he has his moment with Cutler. Which, I mean, on reflection... It never comes back up again. Yeah, but... But that was consensual. So we know that he's married and he has his thing, but his species okay with that? 
but also, yeah, on reflection, that whole plotline with Cutler now doesn't really make sense because we know how sex positive and open Fox's culture is. But yeah, in that episode, he was struggling to get a handle on... I think he he just didn't know if she was interested. Right. Which is a nice thing that he was concerned if she was interested, you know? Would have been so good if Flux's wife had been interested in knowing if Trip was interested. Yeah. Because consent is very important. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point of this episode, right? Like, you have consent with Trip and consent with T'Pol. And none of them give it. And wouldn't it be great if people consented to things before they happened and not after? Exactly. Anyway, let's do the awards. This episode is long and it's heavy. So let's just do the awards and finish it off. Okay. Would you like to see a spin-off of any character? No. Okay. Uh, Well, the horniest moment we know. I think so. And it has to do with putting things in holes. Yeah. A line on a t-shirt. From the first episode... There's a moment at the end when Archer is meet, has his final meeting with the captain of the alien race and the captain leaves and T'Pol says The encounter was less volatile than I expected. And I think be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice one. I don't think any quote jumped out to me. Uh, will this be a contender for best or worst episode? I I think Stigma has to be a contender for best episode. Yeah. If nothing else, for the importance of the topic. Yeah. But also Jolene's acting. (laughs) Snap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And is this, or is one of these, an episode that you would recommend a new person getting into Star Trek? I would not recommend Stigma. First of all, because it's a part two. Yeah, it is in 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 its blood and DNA. It is a part two. Yeah, and also I would not want this to be anybody's first impression of any show. Like I don't want this to be their first impression. Like no. I think also for Enterprise, this is the kind of episode we love Star Trek for when it does yeah. stuff like this. Unfortunately, Enterprise so far hasn't done enough of it, and so I wouldn't want someone to think, "Oh wow, it's always." This hard-hitting and this metaphorical, this woke and political. 2001, guys. It was woke and political in 2001. Yes. (laughs) I mean, it is woke and political now. That's the problem. That is the fucking problem. That it's been 20 years and it's still fucking political. Yeah. Like, saying, why are you discriminating against people that were born this way? It's political in 2023. It's so stupid. So, yeah, like, this episode is a great one. And if you're coming from other Star Trek shows, maybe I would recommend it. Because you know that they can get political. But as a person new to Star Trek, no. Maybe the first one. Let's do something that we haven't done before, because we didn't have these awards in the first season. Would you recommend Fusion, the part one? I don't know, because if it was part one and two, one after the other, maybe I could be like, watch these two episodes. But... Fusion doesn't have any closure for her, other than the captain stands up for her. But like, look what that where that took us <laughs> nowhere. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't remember all the episodes to know whether it's an episode that I would recommend. Should have known that when I asked. <laughs> <laughs> if if I can be like, watch this episode and then this episode, maybe. But then, yeah, I mean, you're not missing out on anything. It's not like they're talking about the temporal war or, or no shit. So you could do that. Just to remind you that Fusion also contains the silly goofy subplot with Kav learning about human culture with Trip and Reed and they ask him about Vulcan sex. What's with these episodes? Maybe listen, maybe let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's play devil's advocate here and let's assume that maybe it wasn't a show thing so much as a Paramount being like you cannot have a rape episode. Like, you have to make it lighter. Make it lighter with the sexual harassment funny subplot. <laughs> yeah, it's the 2000s. And it's a man being the victim. So, obviously, he cannot be a victim. But maybe, you know, maybe that's where that came from. Like, it doesn't sound crazy to me to think that Paramount was like, you cannot have an AIDS episode all by its own. No, no, no. Anyway, that's the awards. Yep. So, do you have anything else you would like to add? Would you recommend the other episode? I said yeah. It's a Star Trek episode. Oh, I missed that. Okay. I don't think I would. I think it's too trip-centric. Not too not, not too trip-centric. Obviously, we don't mind trip-centric, but I feel like there's not enough of the other crew. But it's it's Star Trek-y enough to get the vibes. Fair. Like, oh, you get stranded and the crew comes to save you. I don't know. Compared to this one, the second one, yeah, I would. Compared to other ones, maybe not. Okay. Thank you for joining us in this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed and we'll be back next week with the next episode. You can follow us on Twitter, Blue Sky, TikTok and Instagram at potmeupscotty or email us at potmeupscotty at gmail.com. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Scotty, come in. Ready to beam up. Beam us up home.